0: To this brand new week in a brand new episode of people are wild i'm kim your friendly neighborhood er nurse of a host and welcome to the month of april we are already a third of the way through the year can you believe that it's crazy right now in my book this is actually the time of year in which i make a new year's resolution and i've told you guys before and i'll tell you again i put the pro in procrastination or maybe i'm actually some sort of genius See, making a New Year's resolution in April takes the pressure off of it being a new year, a new me, when you hit January 1st. So for this year, and being maybe slightly inspired by Cassandra Ebner, I'm resolving to learn how to do a backflip. Someone please help me though in accomplishing this without standing out in a children's gymnastics class. I'm also going to just say right here, right now, I will be wearing American flag spandex throughout my home tire training process, so be warned. Now I'm also a huge proponent of realistic resolutions, and I've decided that I'm going to eat more tacos than I did last year, and I'm going to not kill anyone, at least not on purpose. And that's exactly the comforting sentiment you expect to hear from a nurse. Here's looking at a better year than last year. If you have peeped the title for this week's episode, let me tell you a couple of things. Number one, I do love soap operas and novellas, so I have established, I think a few episodes ago about how Passions is my all-time favorite number one ride or die, but sliding into second place would have to be General Hospital, so of course I took the opportunity to use that as an inspiration for my own warped and twisted humor. I mean, after all, why not ruin every memory I made when I was younger about not missing my stories by doing an episode dedicated to some other quality subject matter? Number two, (laughs) number two, this episode comes with a big old warning. I'm going to be talking about some things today that involve what goes wrong when your nether regions are compromised. That's right. Apologies to my friends and my family members that listen to this podcast, and especially my beloved father. Dad, this is what your daughter deals with regularly. Because you see everyone, this week, I'm going to be talking all about penile trauma. Genital hospital. Get it? It's medutainment. So please know that technical and medical terms will be used, uh, for the most part. And all the stories I share today are 100% true, and much like Degrassi the Next Generation, 100% intense. Guys, Jimmy is Drake, and he can walk. I'm still tripped out by that fact. But I digress. There is a specific reason as to why I'm doing this episode. To all you listeners, I noticed something regarding my episodes for the month of March. In celebrating and highlighting strong women, it left this podcast feeling much like the bangs I gave myself in fifth grade a tad Bit uneven and unbalanced. I want to attempt to remedy that with today's episode. See, if you aren't cringing at the end of this, I haven't done my job correctly. So, for all the male listeners that felt a bit underrepresented in March, this one's for you. Please be aware again that this whole episode comes with a warning. I'm going to be getting a tad bit detailed about injuries to the private area. And while to me it's just another lively day in the ER, to most people it's probably quite graphic and maybe even gory, what I'm about to describe in terms of what I've seen and what I've heard. So listen at your own risk. Now I've lit my Lance Armstrong prayer candle begrudgingly. It smells like lies and more lies and a hint of vanilla. I have listened to Salt and Pepper's Shoop on loop repeat for an hour, and I'm ready, if you're ready, to talk about how people are wild. How do men actually walk around with their jewels and their bits unguarded, just flopping around like freshly caught fish or a European soccer player? It's one of life's mysteries that I have yet to understand or even remotely begin to unravel. But in figuring out how to start this episode off that was one of the thoughts i had was that question and i found myself trying to gain inspiration by somehow gleaning it from a re-watching session of the classic mtv hit laguna beach and then it hit me as the opening credits played for the 12th time in a row hillary duff is right we should go back back to the beginning so let's lay down some foundation and go back to the start in order to ward off incurring the wrath of Lizzie McGuire herself. So here's a truth bomb. Among hospitalized patients, the admission rate of genitourinary trauma patients has been assumed to be 2 to 10%. So genitourinary is a big fancy word for trauma to the genital slash urinary region, FYI. Also, from this point on, I'll be at times just shortening that to GU or GU trauma, kind of like how gastrointestinal is shortened to GI or how we all just accept the fact that the form Robert is shortened to Bob. But back to our GU, circus of fun, if you think about how many millions of people are hospitalized every year, two to 10% is actually a pretty significant number of people who come in having a personal penis problem. Say that one 10 times fast. Of these patients, one to two-thirds of them were found to have the injury on external genitalia. This might be due to males being more prone to have more injury to this region because it's exposed to violence or extreme exercise. Wait, what? What the hell is extreme exercise? Scientific article I'm stealing most of my information from. I have seen a video of people extreme ironing, which is a real sport apparently, sort of. Go look it up on YouTube. It's, It's a sight to behold. So I'm going to assume that that's what it means to have extreme exercise in one's life and causing a penile trauma. Now, penis problems and injury have been categorized as accidental in origin for the most part, including in situations such as circumcision, which I guess is like that episode of Seinfeld, the bris episode, and other somewhat more traumatic and maybe not so accidental origins like animal bites, gunshots, or self-mutilation. Most injuries of male genitalia do include, for adults, penetrating injury with foreign bodies, and this could be due to psychiatric illness or abnormal sexual behaviors. Let me just say something. Whenever you get a man who comes into the ER because he gets off from putting ballpoint pens up his urethra, well, you know it's going to be a hell of a Monday. I figure it might be best to start off with some sort of introduction of sorts by talking about the more accidental incidences of penile and GU trauma that can occur usually in our pediatric population. Now for the pediatric population, circumcision injury, animal bite injury, and zipper injuries are the main culprits of a visit to the ER outside of just a big old trauma that causes injury to the GU area. So, circumcision-related injury is something I've actually seen a few times from parents who are worried about post-circumcision bleeding. For most of the babies that I see, literally baby boys, it's reassurance after the assessment that goes a long way for those parents. Some post-op bleeding is expected and we take a look to make sure that that is what is to be expected and not something that needs maybe a further evaluation. But in cases that do warrant a more in-depth look into what happened, this is because there's a concern about there might be an injury. And disfigurement to partial or total amputation might end up being the result, which will leave, no doubt, a lifetime's worth of functional, psychological, and cosmetic issues for that boy. And For the most part, circumcision is a safe procedure and is one of the most common operations in all of urology. What is one of the most uncommon operations outside of urology is the good old do-it-yourself-at-home circumcision that some adult men will opt to perform on themselves. Something tells me that no amount of YouTube videos will lead you to being able to safely perform this. And also, I'm pretty sure you are in the weird part of YouTube if you find yourself fixating on videos of self-circumcisions. That's not to say it doesn't happen. A patient has taken matters into their own hands in an attempt to be master of their domain and decided to perform an at-home handyman project of sorts. And then they land in our ER with a partially successful adult circumcision that they performed on themselves in order to make themselves look more attractive to an ex-girlfriend. I can't make that up. Trust me, I've seen it. Now what that particular patient and a lot of these do-it-yourself circumcision patients end up with is a full-on circumcision, and in the case of the gentleman I knew, it came with a sight of a partial reconstruction and a skin graft, as he went a little bit too vigorously and with too much gusto, performing his own circumcision with a somewhat rusty kitchen knife. It's gross. Are you cringing yet? Well, too bad. We're just getting started. Now unfortunately for the pediatric population, they have a higher tendency to be exposed to animal bite injuries, of which dog bites are the most common. While most injuries are not severe, there have been incidences of total or nearly total amputation of the penis. My goodness. That just reminds me of those videos that you see of police dogs chasing after some guy and then they just lunge for their junk in a takedown. I don't think that's what's happening with kids because that would be really weird. Most commonly for a kid that gets bit by an animal, that's not going to end up being what happens is a partial or total amputation. What might happen is an infection. So, the need to watch out for infection which is treated when you promptly start antibiotic therapy can make that risk of infection slim to none so initial treatment for animal bites especially in the gu region will include copious amounts of clean irrigation to get any and all bacteria out of the region sometimes you need to explore and make sure that the infected wound does not go deep and you need to start antibiotics immediately All I can say is that if a kid comes in with a dog bite to the penis, getting that kid comfortable before doing any of these interventions is paramount. Taking the time to explain procedures to the child and to their family in terms everybody can understand and then involving parents in that procedure makes a world of difference. Not just in this case, but in emergency medicine in general. One thing that never ceases to amaze me is how small children can summon the strength of the Incredible Hulk and the agility of a gazelle in order to avoid uncomfortable procedures. So working with families is key. Now speaking of going through something uncomfortable, no, it's not just this episode, let's try to seamlessly segue into zipper entries. If you're anything like me, have mercy on your soul, but also you probably somewhat got an instantaneous thought of that scene from There's Something About Mary, because if you're also like me, apparently you're older than dirt by today's standards. You know the scene that I'm talking about though, right? No, not the hair gel one, but the one where babyface Ben Stiller got his penis stuck in his zipper. By the way, Ben Stiller and Christine Taylor's divorce has convinced me that all love is dead. Anyways, getting back to things getting stuck in zippers, this usually occurs in little boys who are getting dressed or undressed in a hurry. Just enough of the skin will become trapped within the zipper itself, and now you have a tearful, uncomfortable little boy asking you to help him out. Now, how do you free that which is trapped? Well, we've actually had this happen where parents bring their child to the ER for a zipper injury. And it's always heartbreaking when through their tears, they tell you, I got it stuck. So we need to help this kid out pretty darn immediate. He's miserable. His parents are concerned because he's hurting. And now they're looking to us in the ER to help their child out immediately. Various methods that we'll try to dislodge skin from the zipper include non-surgical and sometimes surgical interventions. This might be a good time to tell all of you that in medicine you assess people and base your interventions on least invasive to most invasive unless a trauma or some sort of issue requires a more rapid assessment and interventions that are complex and invasive to be started immediately. So just keep that thought logged into your brain somewhere. And starting with a least invasive method on a zipper entry, the most common manual disengagement with some lubrication is attempted right off the bat. And There's a fair amount of success with this method and it's not traumatic for most children because it does have a high success rate and you get things unstuck rather quickly. More invasive interventions include cutting the median bar of the zipper itself. Now, if you go on Google and you look up median bar of zipper, your top search results will also somehow overlap and you will get a lot of pictures of penile entrapment and zipper injuries. So if you're Googling this, do not Google it at work. Don't listen to this podcast episode at work, P.S., and maybe have your filters on even when you're at home i don't want your computers to be questionable in their search histories but if you're listening to this show there is no hope for you anyways because you probably have already searched for some really random stuff anyways googling penis trauma and medium bar of zipper you're gonna have some varied search results especially in the images and google will probably judge you slightly it is evolving after all we can't trust it or alexa Ooh, especially not Alexa. She's always listening. Now, more invasive procedures and interventions include dismantling the fastener of the zipper or removing the skin that is trapped, sometimes by a surgical means. So maybe the moral of this story is this. XYZ, little kiddos. Always examine your zipper. While I'm on the subject of pediatrics sustaining injuries to the GU region, I have got to mention something called penile slam syndrome now when i first read up on it all i kept thinking about in my head was the quad city dj's song come on and slam but not your penis damn so then i started watching space jam and i got distracted so once i was done with the greatest cinematic movie about basketball and cartoons i circled back i got back on track and so penile crush injury due to accidental falling of a toilet seat is an uncommon cause of GU trauma. However, recent reports suggest an increase in the number of these injuries in young boys, a population particularly vulnerable, because of toilet training. Here's something you didn't think you'd have to worry about parents, but apparently you do. In 2009, a 10-year study of non-sexual trauma of male children and adolescents from Austria identified accidental falling of the toilet seat as the leading cause of injury to the penis. Apparently, this has led to toilet seat designers addressing the issue and redesigning newer toilet seats that strive to prevent slam syndrome from occurring. So there's a fun little tidbit that you can add into your casual conversations. Okay. I feel like I've sufficiently scared all the parents of little boys out there, and I'm going to just move on and talk about the meat and potatoes of today's episode, adult men who have penile and or GU trauma. And let's start it off long and strong by just diving right into penile fractures. Yes, indeed, men can break their penis. Grey's Anatomy got that part right when Lexi and Mark had that concern in some episode when they both were still alive. Is that a spoiler alert? Whatever, I don't care. Grey's is garbage and we all know it. This is not just an urban legend. You really can break your penis. But since there aren't any actual bones in a boner, technical term, it's not quite the same injury as, say, breaking your ankle or breaking your arm. But it does happen. So in order to figure out the mechanics on how a man can fracture something that has no bones, we're gonna have to get into what makes up an erection. Taking it back y'all, fifth grade health class, maybe. I'm about to feel like Dr. Ruth, so bear with me. This will be better than any awkward talk you got about your growing body in middle school, maybe. The fracture part of a penile fracture is simply the rupture of the tough membranes lining the penile shaft which hardens when blood flows into it during an erection. Now the penis consists of three cylindrical tubes. The two larger tubes are called the corporal bodies. Think of them as balloons, and they fill up with blood when a man becomes erect. The third, smaller tube located on the underside of the penis is the urethra, and that's how you urinate. When a man gets aroused, blood rushes into those two larger tubes, and the pressure grows. And that's what makes the penis rigid and hard to bend. So if it experienced some sort of force, say like if a man accidentally hits his mark a bit too deep during sex while thrusting or she moves it too much while grinding on top, it can lead to pressure overload. Now, anybody with a faulty Instapot can tell you what happens when you have a pressure overload. Rupture occurs. Why did I just make you blush with all this talk about boners? Well, penile fractures happen only when a man has an erection. When they're soft and it's flaccid, the pressure inside of the penis is low, so it's more able to bend and withstand unexpected forces. So how can you tell if a man has actually fractured their penis? If it does happen, you're going to know rather immediately. One of the most telling symptoms is a cracking or popping sound, like when you break a bone. And that is actually the sound of tissue tearing. It's probably the one sound you never wanna hear during sex, an audible snap. Now, I feel like every time a man hears something snap in their general vicinity, like a pretzel stick, they're gonna have like some weird conditioned response to cringe as a result of this episode. That is, if anyone's still listening at this point, now in most cases a man will lose their erection right away when this happens just think of it as similar to what happens if you stick a pin in a blow-up balloon cue the debbie downer trombone in the background Womp womp. then comes swelling black and blue bruising which is referred to as an eggplant deformity i know what you're thinking and yes this means that the eggplant emoji isn't completely totally off base as a representation of a penis. It just looks like a broken one. Think of all the fun conversations you can have on Tinder now armed with that knowledge. Accompanying this eggplant deformity and loss of erection is pain. Lots and lots of pain. I mean, can you blame a man for maybe not being able to be a wimp regarding that? Now when it comes to being sick with a cold, a man cold, he will get no sympathy from me. But if you came into the ER with a broken penis, something that is affectionately called broken dick syndrome, you've got my sympathy, bud, but I might be still totally judging you and I can't let you think that I'm too nice, but I will be getting you some good painkillers. If the injury also affects the urethra, which can happen, a man might notice blood when they urinate. And this means that the urethra has ripped and that means you're not having a great day, Bob. So you think you broke your penis. Now what? Well, any of those symptoms during sex should tell you that something's not quite right below the belt. And while it might be embarrassing to hit the emergency room with your penis problem, that's exactly what you need to do. Seriously, you need to get to an ER as quickly as possible. The doctors at the ER can confirm a penile fracture through an assessment and also by tests like a urethrogram or MRI scan or even x-ray or CT of the penis. Think of it as the ultimate dick pics. For most men, they'll require surgical interventions in order to repair the tear in the penile tissue, and it's important that they go under the knife within three days of the injury. This isn't something that you can wait and see if it gets better. If it is put off too long, it can raise the risk of complications down the line, leading to a lifetime of issues for the men, especially because of scarring that can start to form, and that can lead to a curve in the penis itself when a man gets an erection, or it might even lead to issues such as erectile dysfunction. This occurs because the tissue that holds the blood in with an erection is damaged due to not being correctly addressed at the time of an initial injury of that penile fracture. If a man sees a doctor in a timely fashion and gets the surgery within 72 hours of the injury, the prognosis is especially good. So how do you avoid seeing me and my friends in the ER and avoid our collective somewhat silent judgment of your broken penis. Well, first, here's the good news. Penile fracture is a relatively uncommon condition, so you don't need to brace yourself for that pop each time you get busy in bed. But there are some sex positions that seem to be a bit more risky for penile fracture. In a Brazilian study, half of all penile fractures that occurred during sex were from the woman on top position, and this is being compared to the 21% of cases stemmed from missionary position. Now, why does this occur? Well, it might be because when a woman's on top, she controls the movement and her entire body weight is landing on the erect penis. So if there's a slip, she might not be able to catch herself in time. And what does that mean for the man in question, you might ask? Well, it means that a woman will come down and land at a different angle that brings her full on body weight onto the penis. It's like the ultimate pile driver and that could lead to a penile fracture, or sometimes with a woman on top, his penis might end up coming out of her and striking up against the pubic bone at a particularly vigorous speed and a particularly odd angle, causing a snap, crackle, or pop. Rice Krispies, you're not gonna help me out here. A man can reduce the risk of a penile fracture by making sure that they are fully erect before penetration. If he is not, his penis may be more likely to torque or twist, which could raise the risk of a penile fracture. Now, in doing this recording, I think I said twerk close to 10 times before I got this right, so it just makes me wanna do this. Don't go out there and twerk your penis, fellas. That would be weird. If anyone is still listening at this point, now it's time for a little story time, especially regarding penile fractures. Let's talk about a man who came into the ER one night with a penile fracture, shall we? Yes, allow me to share with you a real patient experience that 100% happened and is 100% true. Now, a middle-aged man that hailed originally from the UK experienced a penile fracture while having sex with his partner. However, this Brit is a bit of an outlier when it comes to everything I said about penis injuries. See he remained erect afterwards and he was actually able to finish the deed. But the next day he noticed bruising on his scrotum and his penis and saw blood in the bowl when he peed. Also it was hurting like hell to urinate. So you heard me correctly. He fractured his penis but he was still able to complete his mission. Lie back and think of England indeed. When he noticed the pain in the blood when he was urinating, he went to the emergency room and his penis was swollen and spongy. The word is forever now ruined. I know you're welcome. So when doctors examined him and after that assessment, along with everything else he described with his symptoms, they immediately were able to say, yeah, you probably have broken dick syndrome. But this man's condition is still a little different than the typical penis fracture. Along with the injury to his penis, he ended up hurting his urethra. And it's this urethra rupture that caused the urinary symptoms that the man was experiencing, such as blood in the urine and pain when peeing. Just for some more perspective, a urethra tear with a penile fracture is super rare and it occurs in about 10 to 20% of all penis fractures. So it's a small percentage of people who are experiencing that along with broken dick syndrome. I think I just kind of like saying that. Another way that this man's penis fracture was different, he was able to finish sex. Usually you'll lose an erection right away. Again, think of it as what happens when you stick a pin in a blow-up balloon. It deflates. Fast. Not so in this Brit's case. And maybe it would have led him to think that nothing was wrong. But Noticing the blood in his urine and the pain, he decided to not wait and see and risk long-term complications. He listened to his body, and thankfully the man went to the hospital the next day where he was able to get treatment. Doctors surgically repaired the tear in his penis and closed up the rupture in his urethra. A follow-up that happened about two weeks later showed that his urethra had healed and that he was on his way to a full recovery. Bottom line, if you think you broke your penis, If you heard an audible snap or pop during sex, if your penis is swelled or bruised, or you feel lots of pain, hit the ER, stat. After surgery to repair the ruptured sausage casing of sorts inside the penis, most patients will recover and have the ability to start having sex again in about six to eight weeks. But any urologist will scream at that man low and slow at first. This doesn't mean that they can just dive right back into wild, headboard-rattling sex. And it doesn't mean that that, though, is off the table completely. It's just better to ease back into things a little bit slowly. And just as a disclaimer, if you've broken your penis, please contact me. I would love to have you talk about your experience with your limp biscuit. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I am losing the professionalism that this esteemed podcast is known for. Let me try to reel it back in as I continue to talk about GU trauma. Well, actually, before we leave the world of penile fractures completely, just real quick, as an aside, I have to mention that in doing the research for this episode, I not only need to delete my browser history, but then, you know, give it a Viking funeral and burn my computer. I ended up encountering this gem that I need to share. A 2011 study published in my new favorite journal, the Journal of Sexual Medicine, suggested that having sex under stressful situations can cause a penile fracture, mainly because of the rushed nature of the act. Now, what is a stressful situation to cause penile fracture? Well, quickies or even extramarital affairs fit into that answer. Yes, indeed, adultery can cause a man to break his penis. Clandestine sexual trysts don't always happen in a hotel room. Rather, they can happen whenever the opportunity arises, if you will, in an empty conference room hurriedly before someone walks in, in an elevator on the way to something. I don't know. I'm not really good at describing affairs, maybe just in all of Fifty Shades of Grey. But under such chaotic conditions, penile injuries are very common. I'm not sure, though, how they found willing participants for this study, but 2011 was a bit of a wild year, so maybe it wasn't that hard. Surely you remember that in 2011, Charlie Sheen revealed to us that he ran on Tiger's blood and he was hashtag winning after all. Actually, maybe he had a broken penis. You guys, I deciphered why he went in 2011 he had a penile fracture charlie sheen if you want to try and dispute this you are more than welcome to but i think i got you figured out wild thing charlie sheen probably wasn't even acting in that cameo that he had for ferris bueller today off i bet okay i digress i'm sorry gu trauma that's right that's what i'm doing genital hospital get into it get into it let's go In adults, there's something called strangulation injuries or incarceration injuries that can occur on a man. This is something that happens when things remain on a penis for an extended amount of time, and now the man can't get them off their penis. Now, objects can include metal rings, rubber bands, or a whole myriad of other things. But why would a man do this? So usually they're used for the purposes of sexual gratification or extending the time of an erection or to cause an involuntary release of urination for whatever reason for that man. The way that you get objects off of people when they come into the ER with them stuck sometimes require using specialized cutting instruments or can require decompressing the penis itself because it's very swollen usually at the point that they come into the ER for help. Now when I talk about how there's a whole bunch of objects that can get stuck there, I mean that there are a whole bunch of objects. Let's see, um, I've seen steel rings, I've seen hair, I've seen wedding bands, I've seen bottles, and I've heard about people getting chastity belts stuck in that region. Now, if you're wondering what the hell a steel ring is that gets stuck around there, I can help you out with deciphering that one. It's a cock ring. The good old cock ring stuck on a penis trick. If I'm speaking about this somewhat nonchalant, it's because I've seen this happen before more times than I can count. And if you think that Americans are wild with their sexual habits, oh, it's time to even things out. Recently, a fire brigade crew was called and had to use an angle grinder to remove the ring in question that was stuck on an Irishman who failed to remove the ring at home. You see, the gentleman ended up landing himself at a hospital in Dublin. But after doctors had determined that they lacked the proper, correct medical equipment to help the gentleman in question with removing his ring, they called in reinforcements. The fire services ended up responding and were able to remove The ring in question relatively quickly now the medical report indicated that the case required urgent treatment to avoid organ-threatening complications and restore blood flow to the Irishman it said that the man had put on the titanium-based ring seven hours beforehand before coming into the emergency room after suffering from a great deal of pain and swelling and not being able to remove the ring. After the medical equipment in the ER failed to remove the device, the man was sedated, probably thankfully, before the fire brigade used a grinder to remove the ring and nobody got hurt. The procedure lasted about 20 minutes and the man has since made a full functional recovery. Ugh, you can't make this stuff up. So I gotta share with you another one. A 47-year-old gentleman presented to a urology outpatient department with two days history of insertion of an iron ring into his penis. He further revealed that it was put by himself with an expectation to increase the hardness of his penis for better sexual pleasure. And he manipulated it at home to try and remove it, but without success. Now, upon examination, a swollen and painful penis was found to be housing a thick and hard metal iron ring at the base of it. Other physical examinations were normal, and they tried everything to try and get this ring off. They lubed it up, they ended up trying to just pull on it and they even tried cutting it with a hacksaw, safely, but were unsuccessful. Later on, it was easily cut into two pieces within 10 minutes by a micromotor wheel-shaped burr, which is actually used as a dental instrument And they didn't have to sedate this guy. So take that, Irishman. The skin entrapped underneath was protected from the metal blade and avoided injury. The area afterwards was continuously irrigated with cold saline. Actually, no, during the procedure, the area was continuously irrigated with cold saline to prevent any thermal injury that might've been generated from using the motor during the procedure. The swelling to the penis was significantly decreased and the patient was discharged the next day after a night of observation. Upon follow-up after seven days, the gentleman was found to be 100% fully functionally recovered saved another life that day okay so i just feel like this has been such a weird episode but i kind of had a lot of fun with it so let's close out the gu discussion today with one of the old standards one thing we see a lot in the er and it's penetrating penile injuries you remember how i told you at the beginning of this episode about men who stick pens up their penis that's a penetrating penile injury Penetrating injuries can be caused by accidents during sexual activities, typically by foreign objects inserted into the urethra. It can also occur by weapons, such as bullets during wartime, so I guess if you get shot in your penis, or by stabbing. Any of these incidences occur and you have bought yourself a penetrating penile injury. These injuries can have varying severity, including being superficial or affecting other soft tissues and or urethra, or even sometimes being partially amputated at the time of the injury. In 50% of cases, the urethra is injured along with the penis and surrounding tissue. Some foreign objects may be removed like any other penetrating object in soft tissue. You use forceps and gentle traction. However, if the foreign object was inserted into the urethra or there's a concern that the urethra was damaged heavily, sometimes a special type of removal is needed in order to avoid further injury to the urinary tract. Penetrating injuries, interestingly enough, make up approximately 45% of civilian penile injuries. Civilian penile injuries. That's a phrase I would never thought I'd say, but here we are. The main reason for penetrating injuries to the penis is self-insertion of foreign bodies on purpose for the purposes of sexual gratification. Various foreign bodies such as a screw, a wire, and a safety pin have been reported and removed from the urethra. Same goes for thermometers, ballpoint pens, and metal straws. It's a whole weird side of the internet if you intend to deep dive into that after listening to this episode. And that might seem like a good place to wrap things up. (sighs) We made it to the end of this episode. High fives all around everyone. So, let's do what I do best and close it out with another round of You Got What Stuck Where. That's right. You know it. You love it. You want some more of it. And it's been absent from your life and mine for the past couple of episodes, but I'm bringing it back in grand fashion this week. Now, the rules have remained unchanged, sort of, and they are still simple. I give you four clues. You tweet to me. your best guess, and the first person most correct gets some sweet stickers, bragging rights at dinner parties, and the ultimate conversation starters on first dates all over the world. So this one is maybe my favorite You Got What Stuck Where to date, so let's get into it. Clue one, this happened to a middle-aged man whose attempt to relieve his constipation problems went awry. Clue two, he was immediately hospitalized and rushed into surgery to remove the foreign object that was found in his stomach because, clue three, upon doing his imaging, like the CTs and x-rays, it was discovered that the foreign object in question was not only alive, but clue four, it was able to penetrate and work its way through the anus and into the patient's stomach where it was eventually removed and died shortly thereafter. The patient eventually made a full recovery. So there are your four clues. Tweet to me at peoplearewild with your guests. If you're the first person most correct, you get swag. On the subject of this game, and On the heels of a suggestion I recently received, I'm somewhat modifying this game. I'm going to give you the full week, to guess. And then I'm in the process of making an easily accessible archive of sorts that will have links to articles and or pictures of what got stuck where for every episode that we've played this game or I've mentioned it since the beginning. I've realized that it's hard to actually find the answers easily, even if you follow me on Twitter, much less if you don't follow me on Twitter. So I'm working on that for you so that if you ended up listening to this episode weeks or months later after the release you can still find out what got stuck where and you can find so in a rather easily accessible place. It should be mentioned that this show is not the beginning of a theme month like I'm not going to start talking about GU trauma and penis injuries for the whole entire month of April although I could. Trust me though that's not going to happen I think I'm pretty sure. Now much like Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam this is a show that covers the body from head to toe so rest easy knowing this is not the beginning of a motif, but I do sincerely wish you a great week ahead. Thank you so much for listening and maybe even listening all the way to the end. If you want to know some of the more gruesome GU trauma that I've personally been witness to, you are super weird, but let me know. I can easily give you nightmares for the rest of your days. So thanks again for hanging in there with me Especially for this week. Let's go into this week ahead, exuding positive energy, and let me know just how you managed to integrate what you learned from this episode into a casual conversation. I believe in you. You can do it. Hi, I'm Roseanne, host of the California Dreaming Podcast, a show that delves into the darker side of the not so golden state. Together, we will visit some of the most unhinged and chilling crimes that ever shook California and beyond. Join me as I take you on a journey into a new story each week with a different backdrop from all around California. From the bright lights and glamour of Hollywood to the picturesque and tranquil wine country. No crime. No town. Nobody is off limits. Listen to California Dreaming on the Orbital Jigsaw Network or anywhere you listen to podcasts.